Are you self-employed and looking to get a home loan? Do you want to buy a property with your super fund? Or has your mortgage application been knocked back and you need a solution? At Better Mortgage Management, we specialize in solutions for home and investment loan borrowers. With over 50 loan products and 23 years lending experience, we have the flexibility and expertise to help you achieve your property dreams. Call us at 1300 857 275 to discuss how we can help you. This podcast is brought to you by Better Mortgage Management. You're tuning into Cancer Culture, a podcast all about cancer. My name is Jackie Cowan, and I'm an ex-cancer patient and also your host. I'm on a mission to let cancer patients and people affected by cancer know that they are not alone. Throughout this episode and the course of the podcast, you'll hear stories from people who are currently enduring cancer, lost loved ones to cancer, or whose lives have permanently been scarred and changed by cancer. This podcast can be both insightful and sad, so please strap in as it's one for the brave. I'm most definitely not a medical practitioner, however, a survivor of an illness who wishes to bring individuals together through hope, genuine human interaction and storytelling. You're listening to another episode of Cancer Culture. Okay, today we are joined by a dear old friend of mine, Cass. Hey, Jack. How are you, darling? I'm good. I'm excited to be here. Yeehaw. I have a... With, this is our... <laughs> this is, yeah, we're getting here. We're going to record this show. It's So far, it's been a bit of a slow start. We've had a couple of technical difficulties, and that's what happens. That's what happens. Two queens trying to be queens. <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it, and upon reflection... I think we may have first met at like a Bridgetine dance or something like that. Oh my god, actually, I was trying to put my finger on it as well and obviously you're one of Ellen's, my cousin's best friends and I'm her cousin and that's how we know each other but it's been like 10 years. Yeah. Been, it's been a while. Did you, were you one of the girls that used to wear the Somerville dresses to the Aiden's yeah. dances? Yeah, really sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, spice it up. Cascat sauce. Happy to be here. Happy to be here. Could nervous. You... Happy to be here. Don't be nervous. I'm nervous. <laughs> I'm shitting bricks. So, you are somebody who has been touched in a few different ways, mm-hmm. unfortunately, by cancer in its own right. Today, we're here to talk about your journey with cancer and how it has affected yourself and your family. Yeah. Do you want to give us a little bit of insight into how well, cancer has affected you? Cancer's a fucking bastard either way, whatever way you look at it, to be honest with you. I think I'm nervous because you've actually experienced cancer yourself. And, I, of course, I've experienced it quite closely, but I haven't. So I feel like sometimes I feel like I haven't actually, I don't have the right to be upset or affected or rah, 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 rah. But I think at the end of the day, even when you had it, Jack, I was affected in a small way because I was seeing how much it affected your everyday life. And I think that no matter who it is, even if it's your best friend, your dog, it really does affect people in different ways. Personally, I lost my mum to cancer, to breast cancer at the end of 2019. She had quite a quick but also long journey with it. The fact that I've even said those words still, and it's a few years on now, just makes me think, like, I can't believe it. Like, I'm still in a little bit of disbelief. So my mum first got diagnosed when we were in grade 12, actually, in 2012, and she had a DCIS in her breast. And 
the doctors were just it's not too serious at the moment so we'll just cut it out a year later she got it again but it was like a bt sample if you call it just before it turns again in the same breast then they were like, yeah, we'll just cut it out. So mum started calling her deformed boob. And she was like, what a mess tit. She was very dry humour. Yeah, the best. But then unfortunately, at 2017, it came back. She had, yeah, she felt like a leak in her nipple. And it was coming out of her nipple. And she went to the doctor, unfortunately. And they didn't think anything was wrong. They were just kind of like, oh yeah, we'll give you some antibiotics. And I was like, but I don't think this is... I don't think this is a cold. I think I've got an issue here. I've had cancer twice in this breast. Anyway, she ended up finally getting in to see a doc- an oncologist and they found out that it was all through that breast and it had gone into her lymph nodes and she needed chemo, she needed radiotherapy, surgery. She had one breast off. Fast forward to 2019, she thought she was cancer free and she had always wanted to even it out. She just had one off and she went in and she was really excited she's like i'm gonna have new fake boobs it's gonna be awesome i can't wait to like start my new journey and feel comfortable and they found that it had come back went all through her left her other breast and it was in her bones and her liver wow and that was in the 14th of march i'll never forget it that day was the 14th of march and we lost her on the 6th of October. So it was around five months. Yep. And the doctors said, worst case, you have two years. So mm. that's how it was in the end. Wow. And was that because it had literally grown and had travelled like that much in terms of getting to her liver and her bones within that time? Yeah. And they, yeah, I think it's crazy because it just happened the same 2012 but Mm. it really didn't affect her life in the way that it did in the last couple of years but it just traveled so quickly and to the point where she tried a form of chemo she tried a form like an inhibitor plepacid i can't remember the other ones right now but there was a few and every week we'd get the blood test the liver markers went up it kept going up and up so even though mums they did these gene tests as well the exact makeup of that tumor matched the inhibitor and they were like this is looking great marine this is looking great but it didn't even give her a little bit of like leverage or a little bit of hope so the last time she found out that she had breast cancer again mm-hmm. that purely based off she was going to get a boob job she was going to get a double like so it would be a double mastectomy yeah then it would be, yeah, implants. That's such a crazy way to find out, I feel. Yeah, it was awful because I'll never ever forget the look on her face. We were all so excited and mm. happy. And I'll never forget the look. She knew that there was something wrong when I walked in. And from that, but from then till she passed away, I never saw that happy smile again yeah properly you know when there's no worries yeah so that was a crazy way to find out and then they had to go back in and do another surgery and they tried to get as much as they could but yeah even just talking worst case you've got two years case you've got five or best case could be more you never know some people live with metastatic breast cancer for 22 years yeah you hear all these stories but and i was really hoping that we were going to be one of the lucky ones but we were in the minority and mum fought till the very end so hard yeah she fought so hard yeah and I always knew how hard I would obviously I don't know it from your level 
no doubt, and or Ellen's or anyone else, but I'd always hear through Ellen how hard she fought and like how much of a high spirited person she was and an incredible woman. And unfortunately, these, excuse my French, but these fucked up things yeah. happen to really exceptional people. Yeah. I would like to touch on later on. So I did a little Q&A with Cass prior to this interview about doctors and second opinions and whatnot. I think that's pretty crazy that they even told your mum that it minimum two years. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. that's pretty blase thing to, to say. say amongst a really serious issue. But we'll talk about that later. Was your life different, obviously, prior to cancer and how, how was it different? I was very, I am still, but in particular when we were younger, I think I was very blessed. We had an amazing childhood. I had loving home. My parents, yeah, were just always so happy. My mum actually, I should mention, suffered an autoimmune disease called Sjogren's and ITP. And both of them, I guess, wouldn't have helped her. And if you Google it, one of them, and you ask doctors, they say one of the unfortunate side effects can be cancer. So I don't know if mum always knew in the back of her head that maybe something might happen. A lot of people have an autoimmune disease or a lot of people have things and they don't happen. She had that from, I think, the year that I was born and I'm 27, so she had it for like 27 years and she, Growing up, all my friends, like even like Ellen and family friends and everyone, never knew about it really. She was embarrassed or ashamed, but she just got on with her life. Something happened, yeah, oh, I was in hospital, I had to get an infusion or whatever. But her autoimmune disease was quite significant, I realise now, and could have really impacted her a lot more, but she knew when to go home. She knew when to take her breaks and she never complained and was so positive. So I think how my life was different is I always was aware that not everything's roses, even though I guess I had a sheltered childhood, but I think the fear of cancer and that's, yeah, cancer changed me to the point where now I have a fear of it. Mm. I check my own breasts. I always check under my arms, nights in the shower. Maybe I'm paranoid, maybe, I don't know. You're I, grieving. Yeah. Amongst many things. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't call it paranoia whatsoever. And I don't think people necessarily understand the extent of that. It unless everything. Yeah. Unless you've been through it and you're like, holy shit. Like, you're hyper aware of everything, especially losing your best friend in this situation. You would just, yeah, I can only imagine. Yeah. What treatment did your mum have, if you can remember specifically during that time? First one was surgery, then radiation, and that was a six-week round where she went every day, day to Friday, and she had very raw skin after. They only did her breasts then, not and around her, I'm sure, in a couple of spots. Aloe vera really helped her with that, like literally the pure aloe vera, though. Then the next one, she just had surgery. As I said, it hadn't turned just yet, but they were cautious of it. Then the third time it came back, she had the surgery first, then she had chemo, it was six months. It was a grueling, grueling shit slog of chemo. Like, yeah. it was just, yeah, yeah. It was... In Brisbane? Yeah, in Brisbane at Icon Cancer Care. She had AC, which is a type of chemo, and a combination of another one. And I suck because I can't remember it. Probably you do not suck whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> Probably tried to block it out. Yeah, so I had, she had those two. Then a couple of times... So mum's autoimmune disease, the platelets kept going down and up and down and up. And I'm sure there's a lot of other people out there who've had cancer or know someone who has ha have had cancer with an autoimmune disease. So I think it's important to mention that when they're feeling 
low, especially with chemo, and then fucking like a bus hit them. Yeah. You gotta listen because there was a time where we had to drive mum to emergency because she her platelets had fallen through the ground basically, and she needed like an intragram, which is something that worked for her. It was a matter of life or death. Yeah. So, yeah, you gotta listen to them because chemo really, as you know, can fuck with you, and you've got to remember that, especially with autoimmune disease, it can affect you in more ways. That she had, after the six months of chemo. She had a radiation again for six weeks, but this time it was under her arm and more also through to her back, so like the back of her breast, I think, trying to get that whole area. And important to mention, she never was offered nor after we asked for a checkup scan after her radiation. That's a huge red flag for me. <sighs> That's something I highly regret. I went with her to every appointment. I did ask the oncologist at the time, who I won't name, and yeah, we got the answer of, you don't need it, mm. the cancer free. Once you finish that shit slog, oh my god, I'm so Once you finish that huge slog, you don't want to hear, you want to hear, oh yeah, great, and you just hear that first thing. And I'm not saying to be hyper paranoid about it, but you've got to be aware that, you know, you're your own best doctor we were asking for it we got told no and maybe just ask my biggest thing would be to keep doing your checkups because early detection i sound like an ad but it's key i want to talk about the second opinion because that's something i can totally relate to you yeah. about and like making ensuring so first things first is like getting a bloody checkup whatever that may look like as you mentioned listening to your body yeah I guess it's like, unfortunately, in this situation, that's maybe a really vital lesson that you've learned and that you can teach other people around you. Yeah. And like, we have a mate who's suffering from melanoma mm. and has been for years. Like five years now, isn't it? Getting checked, having those scans, whatever that may look like, and listening to your body. And I cannot express enough, whatever it may be, even like mental health, if you're not feeling like yeah. you're receiving the right treatment, get a second opinion. If you're, hang on, that tablet's not working. Hang on, my ankle still hurts. It might be insignificant, but things In the long happen. run. And just get it checked. And don't buy that coffee out if you, can't, if you think, hang on, I can't afford it. Health cannot be compromised. And yeah. I sound like a broken record, but it seriously can't. If you want to be here to tell the tale, you've got to make sure your body and get the checkups. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Because I basically my whole cancer yeah. experience was prolonged because of a doctor who I won't name names if you're listening. Uh. But essentially that was pushed back because Jack, I didn't know that. it was nothing. It was nothing. It was an ingrown hair, yada, 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 until it spread throughout my entire body and into my bones and like turned into stage four Hodgkin's lymphoma, which therefore made the journey so much longer. Of course, because you had more areas to get rid of, mm. cover. What was it like? What was that like for you in terms of when, I guess you had that second opinion and you went through that doctor or third opinion or what have you, how did that make you feel? When you're fighting for someone's life, you're just like, okay, see this, do this. So we had to go see an oncologist and just talk it through. But to the point even where it, so I guess the first thing that was a problem was when mum got told that she just needed antibiotics to sort that out. And then everyone else was like, oh, can we get in a bit early? She's like, oh, it's okay. There's a bad four week wait, wait till Christmas is over. Then, and we didn't, 
but then we should have gone to another doctor, got another referral, got another opinion because that four weeks can do a lot. It's detrimental. And then I guess another time when mum had that surgery in that 2017 period that I'm talking about and she had her first breast off, the first mastectomy, she, because of her autoimmune disease and because there was an infection, most doctors, I think if you're listening, and I'm not a doctor, but if you give antibiotics at that point when something like that significant is happening, due to the fact that she was going to be on them anyway, turned out that mum had prolonged chemo for about six weeks because the infection that was here, even though it was removed, had spread into her chest wall, had gone all over her body to the point where you could actually see it moving. Wow. She had should have been out in the sun for a while and she had the whitish skin, the red was coming over. She was on like prescription drugs that they had to get from Canberra to get the infection out and then her chemo, they're like, okay, we'll have to wait another two weeks after you get out of hospital and get your strength back mm. and you can start. So it was about a six to eight week period of waiting because of that as well. So, yeah, we never went back to that surgeon either. Mm. I just feel like every time we found a new one, this is a very, I guess, I hope uncommon story. Every time we found a new option, we just, yeah, it kept coming. But, of course, we're so lucky in Australia and I'm the first person to say, to say we have a great health system. It's like, you got bad drivers. Yeah. You got bad lawyers. You got bad podcast visions. <laughs> whatever it might be, you've just um, got to find the good ones. Yeah. Everything and someone who you connect with and who you trust and who gets you. Yeah. So I would just say some of you are so important. And I'm just trying to think of when you've got someone who really goes that extra mile in that 2019 operation when mum was going to get the other one off. Not only did he then, I think it was pretty obvious because the cancer was quite substantial, then he went and checked everywhere else. You just do the extra mile. I think anyone would do that, but you just hope. Yeah, and it's, it's, I don't know, it's, they do so much, oncologists and doctors in themselves and nurses and anyone. Of course. And people do make mistakes and I'm not excusing any behaviour that happened in your situation and or my situation, but there was no thorough checks in terms of that and like something that should have been followed through and as you said it took time no you don't not at all not at all because it's imagine how many people are going through this in all aspects in all regards and unfortunately sometimes people may might skip a beat and that might just be in terms of like looking further looking into in this situation your mum and what was happening. How does that make you feel, honestly, positive or negative? This is a question that my little sister put forward, but medically, how did your perception of doctors and medical related issues change throughout the experience? Because it'd be a fine line. It'd be like walking a really fine line. Yeah. I would say follow your gut and I would say when you know there's a good person who wants to help you and who wants, is a doctor or is a nurse because they want to be there, you'll feel it. A quote that I remember one of the doctors that I come said to me, said to mum more so, was, we're going to try everything. We're going to do everything. And that sounds a simple two line. And when you're getting, you're fucked basically, yeah. then that those couple of words is definitely what you want to hear and sorry jack your question was how did that make me feel it makes me feel angry yeah i have lost my best friend yeah 
and yeah, there's nothing I can do to bring her back. I have to live the rest of my life yeah. without her. And I know I'm one of many people, but God, it sucks. And if we just maybe had second opinions, we've had a fucking hope of doing it. And it's, yeah, it's completely changed the way I live life. It's completely changed my happiness totally changed it so when i think of the medical profession i think fuck i hope you got a good sleep last night because you're playing people's lives yeah true true yeah we have some ice tea can you please have some ice tea <laughs> little baby <laughs> it's jack it's okay for yeah me. sorry i'm so negative i would go towards yeah I don't know, some, and there are angels and saints out there, I will have to add, best friends and nurses. And even if they don't say, oh, that cannula's not going in, they always tell me they check, they don't just sit there and keep jabbing the person. Yeah. So that's just going to screw it up. You just got to, if I'm sending an email and I'm like, how do you spell recipe? Or whatever <laughs> word always gets me, you just double check it. Double check it. Nothing wrong in double checking. Yeah. There's some pretty, yeah, pretty crazy horror stories. I couldn't even imagine like what a lot of people have endured especially like yourself and what we're talking about right now Mm. it's fucked Mm. it's unreal have you in any way shape or form has there been any term like any sort of remorse from any of those doctors that nothing no no yeah no Sorry, no. No, straight up no. Straight up no, yeah. Yeah, it's fucking tough. It is tough. And I'm sure there are some doctors out there who um, would say sorry or would say, God, I'm only human and I X, Y, Z. And that would mean more to people than they can imagine. I find it really interesting and also crazy in itself how one minute you can be absolutely fine and dandy and then, like, next minute you stumble across getting something checked and little do you know... What is going on inside? And I think that goes hand in hand with what we were talking about before with how you were saying how you're hyper aware now. Yeah. Always. Do you think it's something that eats away at you in terms of being hyper aware of yeah. your health? Yeah. Because I actually had a, got some huge, I had huge knockers <laughs> and I literally was a G cup. And my mum was big too, and I always wanted a breast reduction. So I actually had a breast reduction, and I said, check that breast tissue, like there's no fucking tomorrow. Yeah. And luckily, he told me I have boring breasts. Okay. I said, great. Yeah. He was like, we well, don't want fire in your breasts. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> Whatever that means. I've never heard that and, terminology. Uh, boring breasts. Boring breasts. Try taking your dad to a breast consultation okay yep dad guess what i've got boring breasts (laughs) (laughs) how crazy it is one day you're normal oh yeah and the next day you've been hit with the shit stick when i had the breast reduction i was definitely like check everything check everything even now because it was only about a year ago i get pains like nerve pain which Mm -hmm. is super normal and everyone who i think everyone who has a breast reduction gets it but even though i'm even though i know it's normal i'm always like Shit, is that fine? Yeah. In terms of that and being hyper aware of yourself, not only with your breasts, but like even your health going forward, you're not alone in terms of being somebody who thinks about it a lot. I think if anything, something that can come from this podcast is that we create a community where people, if they wanted to, can talk to you about if they wanted to and if you were comfortable with that. And I know, for example, it's something I don't say out loud often. If I talk about how scared I am, 
of getting sick again. And like the same would go for you and hoping that yourself or like other people aren't put in that position. I'm serious because even as we were talking about it before, our friend with all of her videos about getting checked, I never had a skin check before last year Uh and I only got one and luckily I was fine. But if it wasn't for her, you know, who knows? I'm gonna put heaps of emphasis on this right now. If you are listening to this bloody podcast and you haven't had a skin check, book it in right now because that's fun. Let's pause us. Pause we'll us be here. right now. Yeah. I dead set since I've moved to camps, the people that I talk to, even I'll be talking to like my girlfriends that I work with at the pub, and I'm like, you've never had you, you live in camps and you've exactly. never it's had your skin checked. So much. Yeah. And I thought because I'm Mediterranean and but all of skin doesn't matter. Does not matter. Does not matter. Does not matter. I think it's very important to talk about things. Mm. Super fucking important to talk about things. It's the same as what I was emphasis on what I was putting on about getting checked and getting second opinions. Can you pinpoint because like your mum, many people would have this in common, but remission versus relapsing what that felt like for you because it's a roller coaster. It's a huge roller coaster. And I think that this is something that I think is really important to highlight. I think that just because you finish chemo and radiation, even though it's easy for me said than done, but I have been through that hell, that does not mean you're done. Yeah. Keep getting it's a huge accomplishment, but just get checked and as I said, we didn't get a scan after and that's probably why I'm without my best friend a huge part I would say and I think remission you just and I guess we didn't even get mum I keep saying we mum didn't get told she was in she got told it was very vague they're like you don't need a scan you're like you're done now but I think those feelings of just like put your middle finger up you do when it comes back is just it's a your world stops. Your world stops and everyone else keeps going. And you're like, why is this happening? Why is this happening again? Not that you want it to happen to anyone else. What the fuck did that person do to deserve it? And I can say for my mum, nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Just very unlucky. Very unlucky. And there are so many other people as well who I'm sure feel the same. Yeah. I would say it's just like your world stops. Yeah. And it is, there is this moment of remission where you're like, yee-haw, literally, fuck everything. I've just beat the motherfucker. Yeah. But it's not. In reality, when unfortunately you're faced with something like relapsing, which is pretty, it's a roller coaster. You can't really express the highs and the lows, I feel, of something like that. Because when you text a friend and they reply, like maybe their text, I don't know, this is a really weird example, but if you know they're pregnant or something that might change your life but if you get told when you're on a consult you know what's going to happen i feel like doctors are just playing not it's not their fault but they're having to play god a bit they're mm-hmm. like it's back but we don't know how long you've got or it's back or this or that but yeah it's it just changes everything and just in one split second and even then when you get the news often they don't know how bad it is the beginning so then you're waiting on more results and that anxiety is just shit. You can't function, you can't work, you can't do anything. You want to be there for that person. You want to be there for yourself. You want to 
people, not really. I think if you're not the person going through it, you just want to be there for them. Then you get the anxiety of a hundred people asking the updates, what's happening? And those people are amazing and they care, but it's also a stress for that person who's going through it. Because if you don't know, are you going to relate to them? Of course not. And something that you've said quite a few times, even in the last half an hour, but you've mentioned that you don't know what it's like to go through someone who's lived lived through cancer themselves. I personally believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I could be wrong, who bloody knows? I'm still trying to figure it all out, but I think in many cases, it is so much worse for you. Mentally, it's flight or fight, whether but some days are shocking. Like when you're receiving treatment, it's negative yeah. as all shit. God. But for you, witnessing that happening to your loved ones, and you're just sitting there, helpless. You're I like, feel like I don't want to vouch for your mum or for other people going through treatment. But if you're lucky enough to have a loved one in the first place and then yeah. with you by your side, I think it can be very hard for them. And also you're fighting for your life. Yeah. But at the same time, I just want to acknowledge because yeah. you've excused, you've been like, I don't know if it, <laughs> I shouldn't really. speak on behalf of my mum, but, but it's tough. But Jack, the, the fact that you can even say those words, I feel like, God forbid, I don't get it, it's good, but I feel like I'd be like, yeah, woe is me. Whereas you're like, <laughs> you just have to. that capacity to think that is insane. You just got to be like, what the hell is this? Okay, and we deal with this, maybe not today, maybe tomorrow, see what bloody hell happens. And everyone's so different and it's the same with this, like, with this disease in itself. It attacks in many different ways. No one has the same yeah. journey. No one has the same treatment. And you know what? It actually, you know this, it impacts every aspect of your life, what you can eat, what you feel like. Do you want to go out? Who you want to see? Who you want to mix with? Everything. Yep. The way you're feeling, the way you look. I want to talk about your mental health and your mum's mental health and your beautiful family's mental health during that time, obviously it was fucked up. It would have been devastating. Can you, I guess in like a roundabout way, you don't necessarily have to get into anything too nitty gritty, but like, can you let us know what that time was like? I guess finding out that your mum only had X amount of time. My God. They take you into one of, they took us into one of those rooms in the hospital with the tissue box. They were like, where's your dad? And it was just my brother, David, myself, and my mum, Marie. And we were in the hospital and she had, she, we thought all was going on well at the moment. It just, that's what I mean. One day you're fine and the next minute you're so not fine. Because we were in the hospital because mum just had like, excruciating pain so we were like let's just go get this under control they must have done a scan her liver had just like swelled up with cancer and just yeah like just that was really where it was attacking and so obviously that would be quite painful so she was in a lot of pain we went in and we spoke we had just changed oncologists they referred us to someone else because they were we don't know what else we can do whereas this other guy that we had he was great he was just like we're going to try everything he was the last guy mum saw and the last person to say those amazing words and uh, that time when we got in my dad was must have been out doing something getting something and my brother and i were there and he came in and he goes where's your dad you have the family chat as soon as he said that I still wanted to be like, nah, this isn't happening. But my mum, you could just see, I'll never forget, she hadn't slept, her little panda eyes. She didn't even cry. I was a mess, my brother was a mess, my dad was a mess. 
mum just sat there, still the drip in her arm, and took the news. And the only thing she said was, how long have I got? He said, could be days, could be weeks, could be months, we don't know. So to have someone tell you that, to tell you your fate, mm. like, should mum eat her last favourite meal? I don't know how, like, and I just want to protect her, I just want to jump in front of her and protect the shit out of her. And I didn't know what to do, and I was just selfish and crying. I know, it was just awful, and I wouldn't wish it on anyone. Everything goes through your head. My mum will never see, if I end up with someone, my mum will never see me have a baby. My mum will never see me, yeah, doing those things. So it's awful. But that time, like that time is just, as anyone can imagine, they are playing God or playing with fate and it's not really their fault, they don't know what, they know what to say. I guess they told us how bad it was, but still my mum was getting curcumin infusions, turmeric infusions, her markers were going down and up. She was not giving up, she was trying to sustain herself with like good food, good sleep, we were meditating. She didn't think she was going to go. It just took her faster than she could help. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy baby. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Sorry, I got sidetracked. No, you didn't at all. No. Angel. You okay? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, because I probably don't talk about this a lot, so it's probably good to talk about sometimes. Of course. Like the nitty gritty stuff. The nitty gritty things. Mm. Ellen, I remember, would just be like, holy fuck, and would talk about how strong your mum was that whole bloody time. Like, just a weapon and didn't give up didn't at all. Him. Okay, well, yeah. Oh, mate. Yeah. So she, sad. Yeah, she just did not give up, ever. And that's something that's a testament to her character. And we had palliative care doctors and nurses coming in. And although my mum was rude to them, she was never rude to, like, to medical staff <laughs> she was like I don't want to hear it I'm sorry I just don't want to hear it and I'm not going to die so I don't want to talk about it and they'd come in and my dad actually said to me one time Cassandra stop giving daggers to these doctors and I was like listen to the patient though she doesn't want to talk about it and I said mum goes you guys can hear about it if you want outside I don't want to hear about it some patients are very different some patients are like tell me exactly what it's going to feel like when mm-hmm. I go and I guess facing your own mortality or someone's mortality who is so young mm-hmm. 66 so who's so young and well for their time is you feel like you're in a fucking did your mum get to go home during that time at all was your mum allowed to do things um, she wanted to prior to when passing she away got, uh, she was I guess when that doctor said you got days, he honestly probably thought she did have days, but she had so much fight that she actually had a month. Because he was like, I don't even know how you're still standing type thing, walking. Mum was like, showering herself, doing everything, but independent. So he was probably like, what? But she, we got to go home about five days after they got the pain under control. After our death stared, as many people as I was to get out of the room. And uh, so we got to go to our beach unit at the Gold Coast. And so she actually, I don't know if it's, yeah, like she got to look at the beach. No man down there, but she got to be in that space that she liked. Yeah. Yeah. Which is pretty great. And yeah, luckily, like my brother, my dad, and myself were there for seven. And she got to have family come in when she was up to it. Friends? And friends. Yeah. Not, that's not everyone, but everyone she would have wanted to see, unfortunately. Yeah. And 
if I, I don't know, I think she also thought she had more time, so she was like, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. Yeah. It'd be such a huge thing to witness and or go through, like, the process of somebody saying goodbye with an uncertain amount of time left. Yeah, I can only imagine what that would have been like. Yeah. Tough. Do you have any, I guess, for people that are listening, did you have any strong coping mechanisms that yourself or your mum relied on whilst you were going through everything? I would say write things down. I'd say write things down. Important things they tell you, lessons, I didn't do that and I regret it. My mum actually journaled a lot and I would say for anyone who's going through it, that really helped her. To keep people accountable and to keep herself accountable, I would say journal. That's a good point. I'm gonna write a book, that was my last <laughs> promise. And yeah, so I'm gonna have to keep that. It's been a couple of years, so I've gotta do it. But I think that really helped her. And for me, everyone's different, but for me, the best thing I did was not leave her side. Yeah. Even sometimes I should go well on my mortgage, but like, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not leaving. Yeah, and I'd be like, I don't care what happens in here. I'm but whereas other people do need that mental escape and they do need to go see some friends and stuff, but I don't want to speak to anyone. Of I course. I don't, we're very, even in my family, we all have different coping mechanisms. But I was almost offended when someone was like, do you want to come out? And be like, no. Yeah. But other people must think, oh, mm. it just depends. But for me, it was just not missing a day because I didn't know how many I had. Yeah. Did you seek help yourself at all during that time? No, not during that time. Doctors tried to say if anyone wants like family counselling or anything, which is good that they even have that as an option, I think. But mm. we were just trying to stay above water. That's the last thing you're thinking about mm. when it's happening. Yeah. No, not for me. Not for mum. I don't know how she did it, but not for any of us, but now I do, and I still do a lost cause. Of course. If I didn't. I 100% encourage everyone yeah. to see someone. Yeah. And grief is a huge thing that we all have to deal with in some way, shape, or form, and like doesn't have a time frame on it. Like, this is something that you will be working through for the rest of your days. Sure. Which is pretty full on. And I'll never forget it. And I, uh, I still have the horrors, yeah. And when it happened, when I lost mum, and even when before it was happening, I knew that life would never be the same. Yeah. Ever. And that's scary. It is scary. And even, like, having to conform to this society, what you were saying before about how it's like everyone else's lives go on, but yours has been, yours has just stopped. I'm like, why do people catch in a fucking bus? I'm like, why is a bus man coming? Why is this person, why are people driving their cars? Why is people cooking dinner? I'm a blob on the floor. Yeah. And having to adjust to a new lifestyle without your best friend is so hard. And I can't even imagine, I guess, the pressure of having to go back to a career of some sort or in, yeah. Yeah, everything. Every after. single thing, socialising, fucking yeah. eating, but little things like that mm -hmm. and, like, even getting out of bed would be tough. Yeah. And I guess how has it been for you trying to adjust to this new norm without it's your mum? a long time. I still don't feel normal. I don't know. Part of me doesn't want to feel it because I'm like... Life is so good with her here. I'm like, I don't know if I want to feel that warm, fuzzy again. Yeah, just in every aspect of my life, I guess I'm lucky that 
my parents and now since mum's passed, dad supported me. I was very lucky financially that I didn't have to go back to work straight away. And I actually quit my job when mum got sick and I came home. And then I just got kind of never left. I'm still there. So I think it takes a long time. If you asked me a little while ago, would I still be at home? Probably would have said no. But if you asked yourself, would this have happened? Probably no. not. No. No. Yeah. I just think it takes a long time and some people want to not look at someone who's passed away things or their clothes, whereas I'm like, I would fucking set a tent up out of the country and live there. Yeah. I think it's illegal. Yeah, I think it's illegal to do that. And also, I'd have to bring a generator, which just wouldn't be a good vibe for it. Just wouldn't be a good vibe. Because I believe they're all there. Absolutely. 100% they're all there, I think. I'm freaking (laughs) (laughs) Tent city. Yeah. We good. Tent city. I think grief, no one knows how to manage that and or manoeuvre that. I think if anybody out there puts any pressure on you, yourself personally, Cass Katsoulis, to move through that at a faster pace than what you already are, they can get stuffed. Yeah. And... I'm just like speaking on behalf of myself and like your cousin who I know who loves you and who's watched you throughout this journey, but you don't need people. I'm not saying that you do have anyone in your life that's Mm -hmm. doing that, but this goes for everyone. Take your long ass time. Yeah. Yeah. Because you see things you wish you could forget and that takes a long time as well to sort through. A lot of people have pretty significant life-changing moments when they lose people from cancer Mm -hmm. and or go through something is there anything that you that you can take away from this? Yeah, literally live for the day. Live, do not take a day for granted. Don't go to bed angry. Don't have fights that are unresolved. And don't be a dick to your mum. When I see someone screaming their head off at their mum for no reason, or yeah, I just go, only you knew what could happen and mums are one in a million so I know everyone has their own relationship but if you're lucky enough to have a mum as a best friend treat her well yeah how do you think this experience has changed your brother and your father and your relationship I'm just stuck with fucking boy yeah no I think my brother is still trying to cope and go through things a lot go through the motions I think he is a really sensitive guy and he's very close with mum so I think he really misses her because she got him like she mm-hmm. really got him so I think he really misses that connection and I don't think if this was in my dad's plan to be a widow before he was 60 and anyone who knows my parents knows that my dad was just obsessed with yeah I don't know it's all new territory it's all awkward to be honest and then I'm like am I and then we're having to close do things with clothes phones bank accounts all that kind of stuff that you just don't want to do when you're going through grief crazy I never really thought about that side of things yeah all of that kind of stuff that's admin that you wouldn't usually think everyone knows you've got to plan a funeral and everyone knows those other things but I don't even do those other like doesn't stop admin stuff it's without no way but it can't oh fuck the clothes I feel like would be yeah so horrendous Mm -hmm. having to do something with those things yeah could you actually piss off while I just hold on to them for as long as possible 
crazy baby. Uh, we've already touched on what cancer looks like post or your life post cancer and you're still growing and learning, taking every day as it comes. Things that people shouldn't say when your mum is going through her cancer journey and or anyone for that matter. How are you? I don't know if I like that one much. <laughs> when people say, how are you? Don't expect like a good reply. Like it might be, they're awful. So if you're gonna ask a question, be prepared for the answer. And I think sometimes just check in, be there rather than text someone, how are you? When, if you know well and good, they're really not that good. They have to make up some shit excuse about how they are. So I would say, if you're gonna say, how are you? Mean it and be there for the response. But if you're not, just send them a funny gift, send yeah. them a meme, send them a cookie, anything. Any, there's so many different ways of expressing your love as opposed to how are you. Yeah, and I know that might sound really weird, but like I know that it can be quite annoying. I found, and I think you would also find, you'll find this as your cancer journey goes on. And unfortunately, this isn't something that's going away for us. If anything, we're just gonna be touched by more people that are affected by cancer throughout our lives, yeah. which is really scary and sad, sad. It's devastating, but all we can do is try and be there for people when it happens. And I guess to extend on what you were saying, myself personally, when you're asking somebody, rather than an open-winded question like, how are you? Dude, obviously I'm fucking shit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm dreadful. I guess you could be more direct in terms of following up with something like how were the last results and making sure you've asked for consent in a way. Like even if it's your best friend or whatever, just being like, is it okay? That's interesting, yeah. Do you want to talk about this? It's something that I try and do on a day-to-day -day basis. Like being like, hey, you're my mate. I just want you to listen. I don't want you to say anything. I'm just like, I just need to put this out into the universe. And even when you're asking a question, for example, about like how someone's treatment was or what the results were being like, just stepping up and being there and being like, I'm here. Yeah. You don't need to talk about it. If you want to, I'm here. how was it? And also on, on that note, maybe you could say, did you have to wait fucking three hours before your treatment? Did you have scan anxiety? And like that even, did you get a good meal in? Cause you, I know you feel sick when you get your treatment. And like that is better than how are you? Mm. You're not joking. How are you is shit. Don't ask that. Yeah. Duh, obviously I'm yeah. fine. Yeah. <laughs> Horrible question. I'm so shit. And so is my whole family. And so, so are my friends. So take my mind off it by sending me a YouTube video yeah. on space. I don't know anything. In your opinion, do you think, I'm interested with this answer because my answer is, it is what it is and it will be the exact same thing. And this goes for many different scenarios in life. But when people are like, I didn't know if I should be there or not for you, or I didn't know how to approach the situation. What's your take on that? Doing something is better than nothing. Yeah is my answer. I don't know if I can speak for my mum there, but for me, there's a difference between people saying I was there for her and people who are just there. Now, that's a fine line. You don't want to impose, you don't want to turn up at the wrong time, say the wrong thing, but if you just make a meal and bring it over. If it's chicken, make sure you put it in an esky. It, do you know what I mean? <laughs> my thing is like, if you're a random and you're not very close, that's too far. Maybe send a message. 
But if you are in their close knit, who else do you think is going to do anything? If you're one of their best friends or their fa- close family, do something. It's better than nothing. Anything. Anything. Check on their daughter. Check on their son. Be there. Take their dog for a walk. It may not have been out in a while. Yeah. I also think if people are making it still about themselves, even even though the person may have may no longer be with us and or have finished their treatment and are still being like, oh, I wish I was there, I think that's when people should 100% check themselves yeah. because it's not about you. Yeah. And if people, my stance on it is like, dude, if you were there, if you weren't, you were there, you weren't there. So get over it, live with your decision and maybe learn from that and try and step it up. For someone else. For somebody else. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I back that 100%. Yeah. I fully back that. I've heard that way too many times. And this has nothing to do with you. Yeah. At all. I agree. And if, I will say for someone who's lost someone, if someone, I guess you can say, how are you then? No, because it's a normal question. But I just think when someone's in the thick of their treatment and it's horrible and you're close enough to know it's horrible don't ask that but if uh, i just i don't know how to say this if someone doesn't want to talk about something and it's obvious that they're having a good day maybe don't ruin it yeah okay fair i don't know think about shit before you say it somebody. that's an easier way to say it think yeah. about shit and if you don't know what to say don't say it because <laughs> probably gonna it's gonna make it 10 times worse yeah was there anything that your mum was not allowed to do and or consume throughout her treatment that they she, had a pretty solid thumb on? She was allowed, as far as I'm aware, which I'm pretty freaking aware, to eat anything. I think it is shit. Yeah. In the cancer waiting area, they give out sugary biscuits. Mm-hmm. They give out soft drinks. Just fucking Google it. Yeah. Sugar feeds of cancer. No. No. So my mum, if anyone is interested in I guess itching onto anything and I do believe someone grabbing onto anything and I do believe these things can work sometimes depending on everyone's circumstance obviously don't take this as bible but I'm just gonna say it Mm. meat I'm a Greek so we eat a lot of meat but my mum cut out meat she cut out like white carbs like bread and pasta and everything like that she cut out all sugar she had fresh juices every day mm-hmm. and she put like a shit ton of turmeric ginger spinach kale celery everything like that it gave her that energy you can have lentils you can have plenty of other things but just in that moment she didn't have and apparently like things like cow's milk aren't that good these are all just opinions and anyone who's going through something like that will realize that when you get thrown the worst possible spanner Mm. you will do anything you can to try and get those cancer markers down so the one thing i will say is if you're still having sugar cut it yeah cut it oh and processed food it's a big one and only in the very end she cut out like bread and pasta and stuff just because there is some sugars in that as well yeah so i would just say stop eating sugar stop it and look into it look into it do your own research and you'll know what you are your natural things that you gravitate to and what you need to cut out and what can help diet is a huge thing diet is enormous and everyone knows that if you eat crap every day you're not going to feel your best of course (laughs) not 
So it just goes, that's the same thing. It, it goes, goes with general well being. Yeah. Just look after yourself. That's another thing. Good point, actually. When people came and, like I said, go over here, it's going to help. Do that, it's going to help. And sometimes, yeah, it might. But as long as they follow that with whatever it is, this is just advice, I've just heard it. But if someone tries to jam it down your throat about how right there is and their great cousins, dogs, sisters, friend did that, unless you have concrete evidence of something that was really quite beneficial, i.e. sugar, maybe yeah. that's it. Yeah. Okay. Unless they're asking for it, get it. Yeah, if they're not, it. shut it. You could give someone a piece of advice. This is the most corniest question I know in the entire world. But if you could give anyone advice that is going through something similar to what you're going through or, yeah, is currently dealing with the same thing with their mum, what would it be? That's the hardest question. For someone who's going through it with their mum, I would say just think of the little things that your mum used to do that she may not be able to try and do them for her, whether that might be painting her nails or something like that. I guess just be really grateful for the time you've got. Yeah, you're lucky stars. Paint your lucky stars. Don't go to bed angry. Yeah. Don't have a fight over nothing. Don't ever go to bed angry, please. <laughs> I do, and then I wake up on the wrong side of the bed. How will you, not that you have to do anything because you're just like going through the motions at the moment, but is there anything after going through this with your mum that you would like to personally do for cancer or if you could change anything? I will definitely write the book that I promised my mum and I'll do probably some volunteering. Yeah, for Lanta, I think in particular, they do a lot for breast cancer, yep. the breast care pillows. And Amazing organisation. Insane, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think I'd probably reach out to one of the groups here me eventually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's the book going to be about, if you don't mind us asking? TVC, but mum journaled the last five months of her life. I think it'll be probably a lot of swearing, posing on this, real talk and warnings. Warnings. Yeah. I liked how you mentioned that your mum wrote down things so people were accountable for what had happened. I think that's also an important lesson. Getting people's names as well. They always ask. Always ask for a name. Always ask for a name. Keep them accountable. Ask for their name. Ask for their title. Ask for their practice. I can stop asking. <laughs> ask all the questions. Cass, baby, it has been an absolute pleasure. Sorry for all the swearing, and it has been my pleasure. And I haven't really spoken about anything like this in a long time. I appreciate you asking. I hope I've helped someone. Thank you for being vulnerable, <laughs> for being vulnerable and for your telling your story. And I know how hard it is for you and it's a never ending process and it will probably never get easier. So I really appreciate you telling the story and I know your mum would be so bloody fucking proud of you. Language warning. Yeah. <laughs> if people would like to connect with you on a deeper level, if they're allowed to, it's totally up to yeah, you. Um, can they find you somewhere in terms of... Yeah. I don't know, on socials is probably easiest. Underscore? Yeah. Katsulis22. 22. Cool. 